everybody and welcome to the sunny 16 podcast my name is aid and this is show number 200 and uh hi graham how are you I th- you know what i'm not sure what's worse one the uncertainty about your own name my name you really stretched <laughs> out as you reached for that information and i told you this is shows 278 right before we started i fed you that line I know, but I just had a bit of a Ron Burgundy moment, I'm afraid. So, you know, I'll read whatever you put on the auto If you can hold up the show number to the camera, right? Okay. Then, then I'll work on that. I'll work on that. You'll work on it. How are you? How are you? But it feels like a, it feels like only three days ago that I last saw you. Weird, isn't it? Really weird. Uh, no, I'm I am good. A little weary this evening, but good. And yeah, still on a bit of a high after what turned out to be a really nice day. On our uh, sunny sixteen memorial get together photo walk fun thing on uh, Saturday, so yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, it was an amazing day, wasn't it? it? It really was. It was great to be out in the sunshine and meet up with a group of people. A good group we had actually had a good walk and took some photos. And then, as you say, the memorial aspect of it as well, you know, and and helping out with you know, clearing out the dark shed uh, and sending all of that equipment to good homes um so yeah that that can um yeah that that was a job well done as well uh so you know on behalf of everybody in the film photography community graham i would like to say a big thank you to you because <laughs> you put a lot of effort into that um uh, and 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 with others as well and i was going to ask you to name the others because uh you know i wasn't <laughs> one of them and so i wouldn't want to start out on the list uh and you know and get it wrong and miss some people out so who, who would you like to name check to say thank you to for making the weekend happen uh the the people I, so simon forster i think has to be top of that list because he has helped me out loads and loads <laughs> with stuff not just at the weekend but he came down before and helped me sort through stuff he's done loads helping sell the more expensive stuff simon has done a ton of stuff and I, I could not have got to where we got to without him um and also on friday night he brought down paul bullock and robert with him i don't know robert's surname unfortunately but um and they both helped sort through all the stuff and prepare it for uh the Saturday when everybody came to have a look around and then on the Saturday um, Chris O'Connell and Jamie Gray who helped lead us all uh, on our merry little trip around Coventry um, again without them well it would have been disaster because I don't know Coventry at all <laughs> we got lost trying to get there so um, no all of those people I think you got lost several times as well I did also get lost yes I, I did remember. But but that's okay. That that's okay because uh, you know it's it's uh, it has has the luxury of a, a really tight ring road, does Coventry City Centre. So as long as you stayed inside that, you weren't going to be far away. So no, it was a fantastic day, um, and thank you to everybody that worked really hard to make it happen. Um, you know, it re- really um, a team effort there putting together. And uh, so as amongst uh, amongst the people that gathered in Coventry on Saturday and uh, the third face on my screen this evening is our, is our super special guest who it also seems like I only saw three days ago. Um, uh, shall we uh, say a big sunny 16 welcome to Steve Lloyd of Chrome and Camera. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? You all right, Aidan? Doing well, thanks. I'm great. Cheers for having me on. <laughs> That yeah, was good. A, a super good special ca- guest. Super special. You are our super special guest, and lots to talk about. Um, it was great. It was great to see you too on Saturday. Uh, I think you and I last crossed paths at the uh, the photo photo show, yeah. didn't we? In, in yeah, September. last September. So, yeah. um, uh, but uh, it's good. Good to see you. Uh, good, good was good to see you. Good to see you again. And thanks for coming on the show. Um, we're here to talk about some new Chroma products today. Yeah. 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 I've got. Um, 
two cameras out. I've got the 6.9 and the 6.12. So, uh, Graham basically stole my 6.12 on Saturday. <laughs> um, you can't say stole because you made me give it back. Admittedly. Well, there is that, to be fair. I had slightly broken um, it. Otherwise, you might not have brought well, it back. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did break my beta camera, but yeah. So You, um, you said beta. So, I... I <laughs> so, you beat, beat it. it yeah. I beat it. Absolutely. <laughs> It's always a good task given to you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, they're my my two newest newest cameras. Um, kind of came from people who'd be in touch with me, struggling to get hold of existing film holders. You know, your Mamiya Press six by nines, things like that, because there are quite a few systems now that use those backs, um, and they're just getting harder to get hold of. Really, people having to buy them from Japan and import duties and shippings. Uh, challenge at the moment um so that's where i designed these kind of integrated cameras really more sort of traditional uh, sort of rangefinder slr style bodies really um that you supply your own lens which again from talking to a lot of sort of previous customers future customers they're all saying well i've got lenses you know i've got them off current cameras i want to put them on something that isn't a large format camera isn't necessarily off the shelf so that's where that's where they came in because this is the thing, isn't it? You previously, when we saw you at the photography show, you had with you the, your 679 camera, and your 679 yeah. camera was a body onto which you put a film back, as he says, like a Mamiya Press mm-hmm. film back, and then on the yeah. front, you put a Mamiya Press lens on the front, and then it basically worked to shoot those. Um, yeah. But this new offering, the only thing, well, so the, only thing, it, the, the body and the back are all one piece, and it's yeah. just the lens that you need to supply. And and from, from my point of view, the great thing is it's not just Mamiya Press lenses that it will work with. It's also yeah. large format lenses. So it's it's yeah making it a lot more accessible, I think. Yeah, that that was the the idea. I mean, obviously, the six seven nine it is a sort of a a more interchangeable system. So there's, there's both Mamiya Press and sort of helicoid large format lens bodies, and then you have an adapter back for. Mamiya Press or Kiev 88 or Hasselblad or uh, Mamiya RB or Horseman backs. So you can kind of mix and match all your components. So they, they're they really good for people who have come to me and said, well, I've got these old systems that I've built up over the years, but I don't want to go and carry a big Mamiya Press system because they weigh 400 stone, you know, and you look <laughs> like you're carrying a phone book with you. Um, so the, 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 the 679 is that system. And I'm, I'm still building 679. There are other people that want that kind of interchangeable system, and they might carry a couple of different roll film backs with them. They might have, you know, a six seven with black and white. They might have a six nine with color. They swap between frames. Um, but yeah, the the new cameras are a kind of a more integrated than where you you just supply your lenses. They've got removable lens cones, so you've got that flexibility still of Mamiya Press or large format lenses. But you don't need to find the film backs, which are sort of getting a little bit difficult to find so so a lot of people tell me anyway yeah cool so let's this uh, sounds good and we've dived straight in and and my my brain is uh awash now with technical things at least to me they're technical <laughs> i know you guys know this stuff inside out but let's step back if we could just uh mm-hmm. a, a moment um i'm just 
you know, for some of our younger listeners, a, a phone book is is what you had before the internet. Like, just, you know, just, just, just <laughs> oh so, man, you know. I feel old. <laughs> oh, me too, mate. It's just like the yellow pages. It's like what, yeah, it's like what you yeah. had before Google, right? <laughs> I, like... I, I remember I had to deliver a thousand of them when I was seventeen. I had to Oof. fit them in my mini and drive around and deliver them, and I made about four pound fifty. What a job. Man. <laughs> I used to deliver the local free paper around our estate and I used to get a penny per paper. I think or was it two P <laughs> per paper and one penny if the like for every leaflet. So I was quids oh, in right, if there were if there were seven or eight leaflets that week and I could do my paper around with all of those actually, I was making like eight P a house. <laughs> the, the bizarre thing is, Steve, I think that's still more profitable than Chroma is now, isn't it? It probably is, to be fair. I might go back to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit harsh. That's a yeah, bit Graham harsh. knows anyway. <laughs> Sorry, all right, let's let's not go there just yet. That's the end of the show, man, to once we've got through all the good stuff, right? So so go coming back to the good stuff. So so yeah, you know, there's a lot going on here, Steve. You know, uh, and there's a bit you know, clearly yeah. there's history in Cranbrook campus itself. But yeah, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's let's pretend for a moment that I I'm slightly less well educated than you guys are. But just pretend, of course, right? For you know, okay, for for the purposes of this conversation, um, you know, I'm on your website right now, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at this rather uh, whizzy looking camera called the Six Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so uh, and there's there's some, some nice pictures of it. Uh, it looks like a, a cracking camera. It looks in places like there's bits of it missing in the photographs, but that's probably because those are options, right? And how you fit it together. <laughs> so, so if I'm a, a complete newbie in this area, yep. yeah, you know, what, what st- take me through the process? What am I looking at, uh, and what am I looking for? Okay, so the the six nine and the six twelve, just to show you, understand why there's why there are two. Um, they have a, a standard format. So the 6.9 is 6x9, so it's medium format, um, 6 centimeter by 9 centimeter frame size. That's kind of like the, I don't know, maybe the biggest sort of standard medium format size that a lot of cameras do. So that's its kind of default size, if you like. So it's a slightly smaller camera. Uh, the 6.12 has got a standard 6x12 frame. So that's 12 centimeter wide frame, which is more sort of panoramic type camera. Um, again, there aren't that many cameras that offer that format. Um, Linhoff, uh, I'm not even sure they still make it. Linhoff did make the, um, the Technica 612, um, which is a lovely camera, but they're about five or six thousand pounds now. Um, and it's essentially the same principle. I, I saw a comment, <laughs> I see your face there, eh? but yeah, that's how much they are. Um, yeah, so I saw a comment on, I think it was DP Review recently, uh, in response to an article about the 6.9 and the 6.12, and, and they kind of said, oh, it just looks like a poor man's Linhoff, which is essentially what it is, because hmm. I'm a poor man and I can't afford Linhoff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, yeah, so the 6.12 gives you the, the wider frame. You sort of panoramic 6.9 gives up to 6 by 9 But uh, what you're looking at on the website is uh, how it works The for loading film the whole rear body slides off. So you have a completely removable rear section of the camera, if you like. Um, the reason for doing that is that all the cameras have sort of top load film or a swing open back door and things like that. But uh, I just find having the whole lower section removable makes it much easier for loading. There's a, a hinge down pressure plate. So it just makes it nice and quick to load film. Um, but it also keeps it all nice and tight, like tight pressure on the film. Obviously, I, I always try to do the best quality I can at the, at the cameras. I don't want to kind of compromise on that quality if you're going to use good lenses. 
So yeah. So so although the whole of the back comes off like a Holger, right? <laughs> the, the, the build, the build quality is is several orders of magnitude so better. Yeah. I don't need to tape it yeah. shut again afterwards, right? No, no, no. There's no electrical tape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bottom stays attached, and it, it doesn't have features like that. No. So the uh, the Just it is the same principle. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Similar. Um, so yeah. So that that's what you're looking at. And basically, that's why there's two different models. So what they both have is a magnetic uh, insert so you can reduce the frame size as well so the six oh, okay by, uh, so like six... a mask a mask inside yeah 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 mm -hmm. so basically the, the six nine model has got masks also to do six by six square frame yeah uh, and there's there's two there's two windows on the back door on the, the rear body so i saw that and basically. i was guessing that must have been like a multi uh, a variable format thing so you yeah know, you can open the window yeah. and read you know, open the right window obviously and and read the yeah. numbers off the back in paper yeah. and then and you get the right exposure yeah okay exactly the um the the, the frame numbers are um laser engraved on the back so you can see that you know for six by nine you do every other number in the bottom window and for six by six you do every every number I would like, I just um, like to say, on, uh, sorry, because no, when we were looking at it, because you, you, I said, I was double checking with this because I was shooting because <laughs> the camera that I borrowed um, had a uh, Mamiya press lens on it. It was, was it a 65 millimeter lens on that? Yeah. 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 And you said that with that lens, I'd be better off shooting it in six by nine rather than six by 12 because yeah. otherwise you get a bit of vignetting. That's all cool. So I was looking yeah. at this and, and just checking, okay, what numbers do I need to wind to? You said it's every other one. And you said, you know, written down the numbers here, but only the first three to get you started. I said, <laughs> and I said we should have written all of them down. Yeah, don't be daft. You people could just keep that in your head. Anyway, so obviously what happened was I got past those first three and I think I got to 12. And thought, well, that must be the end of the roll because I was thinking in terms of six by twelve. So I just started winding on, yeah. winding on, winding on, and then realised there were more numbers coming. I was like, oh no! So you definitely need to wrap those numbers all I've the got way. Some more shots. Do you know what? I'll engrave all the numbers for you. Thanks. Just do a smaller font. Oh no, I won't be able to see that. <laughs> yeah, there's me being like, you know, all all designer dudes doing the first numbers as a get you going. So you understand, but no, I'll just put all the numbers on. That's fine. This, this is why um, I'm here, Steve. Imagine it is. Yeah. I might imagine giving it to an idiot, except you don't have to imagine. You just give it to an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you're the perfect product tester yeah that's so yeah what nobody so, ever so, said. That's, <laughs> so that's what they are so they're uh two different body formats but they both use the same uh removable lens cone so because they use either mamia press or traditional large format lenses the lenses themselves are mounted a different distance from the film so you have a flange depth for a lens mm -hmm. so obviously the way to do that is you have a different size cone for each lens yeah. that you're going to use so okay so the, so the bodies are the, the bodies are a standard and depending on what lens yeah. you have that you'd like to use or what lens you might like to buy you choose the mm -hmm. the, the 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 right lens cone that will that yeah. have the right uh, the right flange distance and it'll have the right um uh, fittings i guess yeah as well yeah so basically every every lens cone comes with a, a the standard metal helicoid that i use on all the snapshots and six seven nine so it's a, a high quality helicoid uh, with a, a matching lens board so you can then swap them the, the same code can be used on either 69 or 612 as well so you can swap between cameras if you wanted to different formats that way um, but basically like on saturday i had my I had a schneider 47 mil 
which is the widest lens that can mount on on these cameras. That's essentially a flat plate with a helicoid mounted on it. You still get full focus from you know infinity down to it's about two foot. I think is the fo the closest focus on that. Uh, I also had a Mamiya press mount. So again, the Mamiya press mount that I have on my six seven nine camera. So it's the lens has got a, a lock in ring on it, so you can swap lenses. It'll take any Mamiya press lens on that same cone. Uh, I also had a 75mm Schneider on it uh, with me. So, But I think I've had a few people asking me about sort of what lenses can they use and sort of how long can they can can they go, if you like. And I had a few people asking about sort of, oh, I want to put a, a 210, a 210mm lens. And it's like, well, it's probably a little bit longer for what's a kind of handheld system. Putting a 200mm lens on it's probably a little bit front heavy. Um, I say the same with my snapshots. You know, I, the ideal lens is realistic up to about 180 mil on a snapshot. Um, for the 6 and 612, I'd say maybe a 150. Because um, otherwise, you just get the cone becomes really long, and the, the balance of the camera will go off. Um, it'll work. I, I could make a cone to do that, but I don't think it'd be a particularly well balanced camera mm. doing that. So on the website, I, I do say up to 150 mil ideally. Um, yeah. But I, I can make them mount um in in true chrome fashion the magnetic mount as well so yeah um, and the back's held on with magnets as well isn't it steve yeah yeah how yeah the rear you, body is yeah when you're when you're deciding on your what magnets to use how do you decide how strong to make those magnets because <laughs> because it's a delicate it's a delicate line to walk with yeah. them, between them being definitely strong enough yeah. that things won't come off accidentally but also not really hard to get free yes yeah, this is where the two cameras I had with me on Saturday, the 6.9, in, in the base, uh, the, the, the slide-on rear body, there are 10mm diameter magnets built in. And I use 10mm on the backs of the Adventure as well, but they're thicker versions. So they're really strong, as you mm -hmm. know. That's how many fingers have you got? Um, but on the 6.9, there are only 2mm thick magnets. On the 6.12, I've got 3mm thick, which isn't a massive difference, but the the back is much harder to remove on the 612 because of those. So because I've, uh, it's only one to put them together that I know really how they feel and how they work. So um, I'm going to be making them all the two multi magnets. So they're strong enough to stay attached, but not so strong that you can't get it apart again. Hmm. Um, it is it is a fine line and it is, I've got a workshop full of magnets, basically <laughs> different sizes and thicknesses and testing really. And there's a lot of testing. Yeah. So you, I guess I've got now, now an image of a machine that's got like that takes like long, thin <laughs> cylinders of magnetic material and slices it very finely, like a, like like a, like a haute cuisine chef. <laughs> no, I'll just buy them in off eBay. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't even cut magnets; they chatter. <laughs> but um, yeah, unfortunately not. So it's uh, yeah, I just end up buying lots of different thickness magnets. Yeah, and testing them all out. I have to say, because I grabbed that camera off you as soon as I saw you, um, because I knew mm. you, you said you were bringing them, and I was like, I really yeah. want to get hands on with this, because it's something I am actually pretty excited about. I think um, mm. I've talked before about the fact that I've been using the Kraken camera that Graham Young built, which is a yeah. a great, um, th you know, little, th well, it's not little, a great 3D printed camera, <laughs> but it is one that you can do at home, and, um, mm. and it, for, for what it is and for what it costs, it's great. Um, but as with my large one, I was like, okay, I'd like something that was a little bit more refined. Um, and so I've been excited about this because this is an evolution 
a stretching evolution of your Q camera mm. um, that you brought out. Yeah. Uh, is it this year you brought the cube out? Um, end of, middle of November middle last of year November. we launched it. Um, yeah. And the cube, for people that don't know, is a really cute little pinhole camera that shoots 24mm by 24mm um, on a 35mm roll, obviously. Um, and you get, what, 52 shots from a roll of film, Steve? Yeah. Um, yeah. They're really lovely, fun little cameras. It's been great because a lot of people have been a lot of people got them for Christmas and stuff like that and yeah. have been sharing the pictures with them and just having a really good time and um and you've brought out an iteration since it's got a magnetic filter holder as well, is that right, Steve? No, that's the original one. That's the original that one with the magnetic so yeah. um so there if you want the way so, yeah. into the Chroma family of cameras, they're they're the way in, aren't mm. they? They're your entry point. Yeah, they they gateway. It's mm. uh yeah, so the, the magnetic filter, they all come, it's a 49mm threaded filter adapter, so you can mount sort of standard filters on, on the front of the cube. Um, I've also just built a um, trichrome adapter. Uh, a, couple of the, a couple of the photographers who are using cubes, uh, there's a guy called Andrew Keedle, if mm -hmm. you've seen him yeah. on Twitter at all, and he, and he shot these amazing um, 7x17 trichromes, and he's literally shot three frames of seven by 17 HP five with a, a red, a green and a blue filter on each shot and then overlaid them to get a color. You get the color mm -hmm. images, trichrome and the works amazing. You know, the, the, you sort of can't get your head around the fact that that's black and white film, but he's, he's into pinhole. He loves shooting pinhole work. So he, he ordered a cube himself and then he posts sort of trichrome, um, trichrome pictures before. And he was saying, and so a guy in Berlin did as well with his cube. And he'd done these trichrome of graffiti work on a cube. And it looked amazing. It's like such a cool little square color image. Um, but I was chatting to, to Andrew basically about sort of filter mount. And he was asking about buying additional, the magnetic filter mount, just so it's easier to swap in between. So you can have your, your thread of filter screwed onto the magnetic mount and just swap it between frames. And, he, and as ever, got me thinking about another way of doing it so i came up with a, a rotating three filter um holder for the cube so i've printed that and it, it's literally it's a magnetic mount that has a red green the blue filter built into it that rotate in between so you don't need to switch filters you just rotate the the filter onto the next shot so he's been posting um his fair sort of results up on twitter um over the last last week or so and that the, i'm made up with it he, he he seems really happy with it, how it's working. So it's kind of like the the next little accessory that's going to come out for the cube that people can kind of go and try these trichomes because it's 52 shots on a roll of film. It's yeah. quite, it's very frugal yeah. photography, so people can experiment. It's <laughs> So what's his, what's his name again? Sorry, say again, Steve. It's, it's um, Andrew Keedle, K-E-E-D-L-E. As you said, it's like the um, perfect tool for trying out. Because I mean, trichromes are one of these things that have been slowly... Yeah gaining popularity i remember listening to um eric talking about them and, and anthony Danksbangle, you know doing them a few years ago and gradually i'm seeing more and more people having a go at doing them um yeah but you know they are a bit faffy as you said you need to shoot three frames mm -hmm. and and all of this stuff and you know and, but this it seems like a great way of getting into that because you've got a lot of frames to work yeah. with if you've got the filter they're built in. Um, and, uh, well, this just completely solves the expensive colour film problem, Steve. In one fell swoop, you've That's done it. it. 
You've done fixed it. it. Who needs Portra? <laughs> <laughs> I've saved the world. Single-handedly. Good work. Um, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, I think I've had I've had quite a few people with, with who were using Cube sort of coming back and saying that they're going well, you know. I've, I've just developed a role. Something didn't come out. I've got double exposures on few. I didn't mean, but it was loads of fun because I didn't really care. I could just mm. try different things, and so I carry a little cube, my own cube around, and you know, stick it in your pocket or whatever. And you just put it in places you wouldn't put another camera, you know, right up against a fence mm. or somewhere else because it's so small. I um, I have it on a little Manfrotto pixie tripod, so I, I had it on Saturday with me, and um, that was the point. It's just a bit of fun and. You know, it, it's it's never gonna generate the sharpest pinhole images. You know, I see people doing four or five pinholes and they look stunning. You know, really in comparison. But the whole point of the cube is just to be fun. It's just that give it a go, and it's not complex. There's nothing difficult about it as a camera. You know, the shutter is very basic. It's a very simple magnetic sliding shutter. Of course, um, obviously. It's the closest. It's the closest you're ever going to get to a GoPro, isn't it, Steve? It's the Crow Pro. Yeah. <laughs> if you move really fast, you could animate it. Yeah. I think, oh God, can you imagine if I like stick that onto, that, onto your motorway helmet? Oh, that'd be good. These are, these are all good ideas. But the other nice thing is that it is. It's a cheap camera. What what, what are they selling for, yeah. Steve? They're sixty pound. Sixty pounds. I mean, come on now. And what's this very, new one? Very with affordable. The, What's this new one with the um, funky adapter that you're going to be able to do trichromes with? How much extra is that? The trichroma. Um, I don't know yet, but I think it's probably going to be maybe about £15, £20, if I can. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting cool. on a price on the acrylic because um, I laser cut the filters out of um, transparent red, green, and blue acrylic. So at the moment, acrylic prices have just gone up again by another 8%. Mm. It's the fourth time since last january so um i'm waiting on a, a price to come back but i should be i think 15 maybe 15 20 pound at most that sounds Keep it affordable fun. basically so anyway um <laughs> getting back i got very distracted by the cube there but um so as i started <laughs> to say these cameras are an evolution of that that sort of spawn yeah. point um and the build quality and the way you've approached it is this is kind of going on from there um and as is always the case with your stuff with everything you build there's there is a a refinement there's a step forward in the way that you're presenting it um one of the yeah. really nice features about the new cameras is that they're obviously they're primarily still 3d printed plastic but they they're covered now they've got a vinyl cover on them and yeah. that means that they not only look better but they also feel better in the hand i mean it's Every camera yeah. we've bought for you know for a very long time has had a covering on it. Um, now these yeah. now you're doing the same thing, and it feels really nice. I know we were chatting at the weekend about the fact that it's also going to open up you for you the possibility of um, more variety in color again because yeah. um, doing the different colored acrylics and stuff like that, which you were doing with the original uh, Chroma Advanced, isn't practical anymore. Um, but with these, you can go, oh, we can have different colour vinyls on it and make them fun and make them jazzy. Yeah. So that's really nice. Um, but yeah, I was really looking forward to trying it out. And the shooting experience did not disappoint. The camera feels really nice in the hand. It's just it's just a fun camera to use. I don't generally shoot very much when I'm on photo walks, which I realise <laughs> may seem a little bit odd. But yeah, you're there chatting. You're having a nice time. Yeah. 
Um, but this was, I mean, admittedly, at least partly because I knew you were going to take it back because you <laughs> you haven't realised what an important influencer I am. Yeah. All. Um, but um, yeah, it was just a fun camera to use. There's some cameras you just pick up and you just want to engage with, and that's very much what I found with this. Um, I think the only bit I found myself fighting with slightly was the Mamiya press lens because that's just something either mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar yeah. with, and yeah. you know, not being used to oh, where's the shutter and, and using the shutter release, it kept sticking down. So I'm sure yeah. that I've double exposed and whatever quite a lot of the shots just because of unfamiliarity mm. with that. But that's all bits that you aren't responsible for, and I know that if I could get <laughs> one of my large format lenses on there, I'd be off yeah. to the races. Um, I think it's really good. One of the things I'm also very interested in about with you, you haven't talked about yet, you've mentioned that you have got these um, uh, gates for the back, magnetically held in place, right? The gates for the back for changing obviously. the Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were also saying that it's going to have a gate to enable you to shoot 35mm film in there. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is it? So. Uh... <coughs> yeah, so as well as the sort of six 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 nine gates sort of traditional medium format yeah. it also yeah so you can shoot um 35 mil film as well so you know you on the six nine it becomes your kind of text pan as people call it when you use the, the big fujis with 35 mil in them um you get a wide enough channel one on the 612 you get even wider 35 mil frames you get mega panoramics um so yeah so basically you've got two magnetic inserts that drop the frame into 35 mil you'll still see sprocket holes obviously people like that um but then it's also got a little drop in insert because you need to know how far to wind on mm. with 35 mil there's no frame numbers so a lot of uh, a lot of pinhole cameras and things and also um the cube does the same thing it counts sprocket holes so on the back of the cube there's a little there's a little disc the turns as you wind it on mm-hmm. and that's actually that's got a little pinion gear that turns in in the sprocket like a traditional camera but that's a, an indicator so what i've got for the six nine and six twelve is a little drop-in insert with a, a little plastic clicker built in so the the 35 mil film just loads over that and as you wind it on you'll, you'll actually hear it click so on a on the six nine it's sort of 20 sprocket holes mm-hmm. is, is the next frame on soft you're literally gonna to have to wind and count you can't it, it's i wasn't sure when i first sort of started designing it whether you'd hear it but it's sort of because it echoes slightly within the body you do actually hear it quite clearly we we were testing it sort of outside and in the workshop with the printers on and things and you can certainly hear it you know at arm's length sort of you don't have to have to have your head right next to your head to hear it so i think that it, it's it's it, it's a, a viable way to count frames it's the only way you're going to get basically so um so yeah, so that that that's just a little drop in, and it, you wind the thirty-five mil frame onto the a standard one twenty spool because obviously you then rewind it back into the into the cartridge at the end. Um, so yeah, so it'll cover multi formats then on both of them, so you can do whichever you want. That is awesome. I think it, it, what I love about this camera is it um it is really opening up a world of um format that mm. is really quite expensive to get into now um yeah. yeah i mean we were just we just sold john's mamiya 7 uh, his 6x7 mm. camera and it's a lovely camera mamiya 7 too yeah um and i think that 
we sold that for three and a half thousand pounds. That's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, a hell of a lot of money. And you've yeah. already mentioned it's, about yeah things. What was it? The the tech the panel, whatever it was, the Linhoff, and yeah. and and you know and the Hasselblad and um, mm. all of these cameras that offer the wider, the more, more cinematic or panoramic mm. formats are getting yeah. really sought after and really quite expensive. And yeah. whilst large format lenses aren't cheap, um, this setup still means that even if you even if you end up spending £350, £400 on a lens, you're still going to have a camera that can shoot these fantastic panoramas in a range of formats mm. um, with amazing image quality because you're using great lenses on it for yeah. you know, under £800, which is... Yeah. That's a real good deal these days. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, the, I've said this before to you guys, haven't I? I'm an engineer and I love the mechanics of very nicely made traditional cameras. You know, you like to say your Hasselblad, your Linhoffs and all that. And I love them. They're, they're, don't get me wrong. And, and I've, as much as I've always tried to make cameras that are affordable for people, there, there, there has to be an acceptance that they are a different camera too. A Mamiya 7.2 and two Hasselblad, you know, and, and anyone who tries to say different, I think, is, is wrong. They're not, they deliver good quality results and they'll deliver the same format. But, but I love all cameras equally for their own strengths, you know. But like you say, they're getting harder to get hold of. And only, and only so many people are going to be able to afford three, four thousand pounds for a, a 6.12 Lin. Well, there's that barrier to entry, isn't it? But there's also, mm. you know, what happens if you spend that amount of money and then it breaks? Mm. Yeah, right? because that's you know, some of the some of these things are very difficult to get repaired these days. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you have a, a trusty and, and current currently a going concern, you know, camera manufacturer that you could call yeah. up and say, "Hi, yeah, something's going a bit skew. If can you help me out?" Then, then that's. Mm. You know that that's a, a very valuable thing in its own right, isn't it? Especially for I have to say, especially for you know fair weather shooters like myself, you know <laughs> who yeah I I'm I've bought a number of cameras over the years that just broke and it's, uh, it, it yeah. I, I love to I, I love photography for the actual taking of photo you know, photographs yeah. and making of photographs. Yeah. I've, I've you know I've not never been the sort of person who wants to pick up something out of the parts bin and see if it works or do some <laughs> kind. Of, yeah, I, I like I like to yeah. point and, and and take a photograph. Yeah. So yeah, this sort of thing appeals to me because I think okay, yeah, so, so this is great. Like, this is like a brand mm. new camera, and yes, okay, the yeah, the 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 lenses may be you know may may not be brand new, of course, but uh, you know they're they're still. I think is it fair to say, yeah, for those that are not into this stuff, that for these lenses that you use with the cameras, there's still more of an uh, of uh, an ability to get them serviced, get mm. them fixed. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are still you know there's there's still camera techs about, um, and a lot of sort of you know th there's a lot of camera techs that have been around for a long time, and maybe they're sort of retiring now. Some of the some of the guys that I've used before, but there are younger techs coming, doing work now as well, and CLAs, you know. A, clean loop key and adjust sort of a service on shutters and lenses are still feasible on most parts certainly if you know a, a lot of times when people buy like a large format lens they come with a they, they'll come with the shutter as well yeah um and you might find the shutter is a bit sluggish if it hasn't been used you know quite often people are oh you know this is my dad that sat in a wardrobe for the last 20 years 
I'm selling it. And it, and that might be sluggish. It might need a bit of a cleanup. So things like that are perfectly doable. That's And I think, I mean, I've, I've paid sort of £60 maybe in the past for a service like that where, you know, there's no parts. It's just a strip it down, clean up the parts, refit it, it's all working again. If you need parts, then obviously it's availability and some engineers will make new parts, new springs, little pieces and things. But yeah, certainly the, the, the availability is massive. You know, large format was the professional choice for photographers sort of in studios for, you know, 40, 50 years. So, no longer to be fair, but so there's a lot of lenses to pick from. And like anything you can range from, you can go and use a lens off a 1920s folding camera up to a road and stock that was built 10 years ago, but there will be a cost difference again. But average lenses, you know, the, you know, your, your Schneider 90 mil is a popular lens. That's quite a, a nice uh, sort of walkabout size. It's about 28 to 35 millimeter equivalent on sort of 35 mil camera. So it, it, people like that field of view. Uh, and they go for maybe 150, 200 pounds. For those lenses because they're, they're quite um, they're quite common lenses so um, they don't offer a lot of movement on large format they don't have a, a big they have a thing called an image circle on a lens so it's how big an image it projects so the the more expensive lenses project a bigger image so you can do all your movements on the on the large format cameras but they don't really do that that much in the way of movement so they're great for fixed cameras like these yeah. You, you can't move it anywhere anyway so but yeah it, it, it's all certainly affordable i think that's the point so if i can build uh, a good quality camera to take that i think going back back to what you said graham i've, I've tried with these cameras they are a step up the 6.9 and 6.12 in the kind of the finish um I've, I've spoken to quite a few people about 3d printing i think it's quite it's not uncommon for people to go, oh, it's 3D printed, it's going to be rubbish. It's going to be a you know, cheap plastic that'll break in my hand and it'll look cheap and it'll be shiny and it'll, and I'm not into that. I don't, I've never wanted my cameras to look like cheap printed cameras. I, I was properly <laughs> impressed on Saturday, actually. Um, I, I didn't take any shots uh, with the, the 612, but I actually mm -hmm. held it in my hand, you know, and mm -hmm. gave it a bit of a heft, you know, as you do, yeah. had a look through the viewfinder <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this, there's nothing there's nothing toy like right there's nothing Thank fragile you. feeling yeah. about it that yeah it, it, you know uh, and i say this in, in the best possible way so take it it is just a camera right yeah it, it, there's perfect. no there's yeah. no doubt in your mind when you pick it up yeah. that it you know it, it, it's a camera right and it's going to do the things that a camera does and yeah and you know it, it, it i had that confidence in it just by picking oh, it you. up you know? yeah that's what that's what i try that's and like say with them being vinyl skinned and things i i I always like my cameras to be, what's the word, finished, I suppose. That's a terrible word. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I don't want them to look, you know, I don't want them to look like they could have been better. Mm. Um, I want you to buy that camera and kind of, I always say, you know, join the Chroma family, but be happy with it. I don't want you, I don't want people to be disappointed with cameras. Um, I actually, <laughs> I got an email today from somebody who was asking about um, a 6 9 and they weirdly they just came out and I won't name names. They kind of came out and said, "Oh, I, I bought a camera from X manufacturer," and basically they said, "Oh, it was terrible. It nothing fit. Uh, I had to kind of adjust it all to make it work, and it still doesn't sort of give me it away." So I'm kind of asking you, do your cameras work? And uh, you know, does it work? As you, I was like, "Well, well, yeah," <laughs> but um, I don't want people to feel like that. I, mm. I, I, I still get quite. Um, 
I suppose a bit stressed when when I, I ship a camera out to somebody because I want to know that they enjoy using it. I, I, I hate the idea that someone gets a camera and is disappointed with it. So that's that's where I'm where I'm going with with say this this sort of this finish really. If you like with the six nine and six twelve, it's kind of a, a, a another step in where I'm heading with the cameras. It's an evolution, isn't it? I mean, all of this stuff, mm. the vinyl finish, but also things like. Um, the wind-on knobs on it, you know, like mm. the finish on those, they they feel good. It, it's feeling increasingly like uh, uh, it. It feels like a premium three D printed camera. I, I don't. It doesn't because you can't just call it a premium camera because then people go, well, you know, yeah. it doesn't feel like a Hasselblad. It doesn't. It's yeah. not made of metal. Yeah. But yeah. for the space that it's occupying, for what is still. A very budget camera. They, I mean, th- this is the, mm. the thing that people need to keep in context with these. These are still, for what they are, incredibly good value. Um, but the fit and the finish and the quality is just getting better and better. Um, and that point that Aid made earlier about buying a camera that is from somebody who's a going concern and that if you have a problem, mm. you can go, ah, oh, there's been this issue or I dropped it and yeah. I broke this or whatever. And I, so I had my... Um, uh, carbon adventure developed a little bit of a wiggle in its jiggle just a tiny little bit of movement so no problem got in touch with you sent it back fixed it in a couple of days and back comes my camera and not only does back come my camera but because steve steve and steve is it, the idea of a finished product with steve it might be well finished it's never finished finished though because he's continually <laughs> improving and updating so it came back with like nice new finished knobs and all this stuff it's like oh my camera's had a sexy makeover whilst it's been gone this is great um but th- but that's the thing like you have an issue and it's not something that was made in the 1960s that you're going to have to try and hunt down some other broken camera yeah. to strip parts from it and this is the thing that if there's any yeah. issues you can get the parts make the parts do whatever he's doing and um mm-hmm. yeah and, and also just like supporting a business that mm-hmm. is growing because the stuff that you're doing now i don't think when you first made the chroma advanced what was it three four years ago steve now mm, three and a half yeah three and a half years ago i don't think i could have thought then that, oh this is what you'd be doing mm-hmm. now and given the stuff that you're starting to look into now with um, electronic shutters and stuff like that, you think, well, four years further down the line, where is this going to be? Because you had a prototype with you on the day of, it was for yeah. um, 8 by 10 was it? What was that shot um, for? No, it's for yeah, a, a any massive, format. It was massive. It's basically got a, that one's got a 90mm diameter sort of aperture on, on the shutter. So it's, that one was built around a, an Aeroactor hmm. lens. Which lots of people want to use, but if you haven't got a speed graphic, or just, you're doing just, anything other than web plates, just to check, I heard that uh, nine zero millimeters. Yeah. Okay. Size matters, eh? To a certain group of people, <laughs> it's about this big. <laughs> it, 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 it's enormous. Yes. It, it, yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. So that's something me and Dave Walker have been working on for God. About two, 18 months, two years between us. Obviously, Dave's down in Oxford. I'm up on the Wirral by Liverpool. So we spend a lot of time talking via message, Instagram messages and video stuff. Um, so we work very much remote team, if you like. So we've gone through, we did an electronic one first with a LCD panel mm. shutter. It's using, uh, Dave actually built 
he invented it. It's his Robo Brownie. Mm-hmm. I think he yeah. took it on a walk down Oxford, uh, and it's basically a box brownie with a um, it's glass out of a welding glasses. So auto dim oh, welding glasses that. go dark, and they when the light come, when when there's light shine up. But Dave, being the coding genius that he is, he um, he basically put two together and worked like a polarizer. Then like a polarizer filter, you know, when you turn it and it goes dark. But because they're powered, you can make those panels go dark uh, with a, a little Arduino, a little computer controller. So that essentially works like a shutter then. So because you make it go dark, you can make it go light as well. Um, so he, he invented this LCD shutter, this version of an LCD shutter. So we, first global shutter. There you go. Um, so I then saw that and approached him about making something slightly bigger for large formats, which is what started us down the path of using bigger LCD panels. So we built one then, um, must be 12 months ago now, a bit longer, that was a, uh, again, 90 mil square shutter unit with a remote controller on it and stuff, battery powered. So you could do shutters, do control shutters on large format lenses. And it works, um, but there's two main limitations with it really on the LCD panels, the, what, what we could get hold of, basically the sort of off-the-shelf cheapo welding panels without buying from manufacturers making custom panels, which gets mega expensive. Um, they just didn't quite do it. So I then, we started working on a more traditional two-blade shutter, like an SLR shutter. So if you ever see an SLR work, it's just literally two blades move across on the gap between the blades adjusts for the shutter speed. So that's what we've built, basically, but much bigger. We've kind of supersized an SLR. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So we're, that that one that I brought on Saturday was is a, a kind of a test unit that we've. Well, to be fair, it's been in a workshop on and off for the last eight months, and we've been sort of tweaking it and refining it, and Dave's been writing all the code for it. So, um, so yeah. So I was working on the, the an update to that today, uh, a slimmer version and. Slightly back to the original design, actually. I realized that's Mark 12, so <laughs> I've gone back to Mark 8 now. It seemed quite good now when I look back at it. So, um, I've got a lot of marks <laughs> on things, so um, so yeah, so that'll hopefully be soon. Um, I'd love to build one of them into a snapshot to bake uh, a new speed graphic, mm. so you've got a, a new large format camera with a built in shutter because it allows you to mount any lens then you like because obviously you're not limited by the lens having its own shutter. Mm. Um, and that's why speed graphics are so popular. Yeah. I, so, so how would that work then? Because, I mean, if you just just thinking even of, of you know, in 35 mil terms, you know, mm. uh, I guess the, the Nikon F-Mount has one of the longest, if not the longest, you know, flange distances. But that still would be mm. nowhere near enough for something that size you're talking about, I guess, would there? Was it? If you could have it far away enough from the film that the image circle would be big enough, you wouldn't be able to focus mm. it, I don't think, would you? Well, the shutter just blocks in. The lens is still in the same place, so it just has to fit between the lens and the film. So oh, okay. this version clips on, uh, well, mounts onto the front of the lens, so it basically acts like a, a lens cap, if you like, because these oh, lenses okay. don't have oh, shutters. So it's literally opening and closing like a lens cap would, but in a controlled shutter. Um but I say ideally, the design that we've got is scalable, so it relies on um, kind of sliding rails for the blades, for the shutter blades, so they can be 
in theory, any size you like. So I'd like to upscale that to mount it inside the snapshot body. Mm. So it's actually in front mm. of the film holder, like a speed graphic. So um, you then just have a shot, like an SLR, you have a shutter built in the body then. And the lens is all just mounted in front of that, like they do now on a, on a, a snapshot or a large format camera. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a little way off because we've got issues with the size of it. They're stepper motor driven. So with stepper motors, the smaller they go, they have less torque. So you can't drive them as quickly. So at the moment, we're getting about one three fiftieth shutter speed, um, Seems like which isn't bad yeah. in large format terms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the key is getting it consistent. But we're, I think I think we're probably somewhere around that consistent, and that's like a half a mil to a mil gap between the blades. Mm. So Dave's coding; he can control that distance to that like um consistency is amazing so when you say the coding so, is that the timing of the triggering of the second curtain is it so you've got basically to be, yeah you've got to be that type. so you 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 open right where, where, when when the mm. the photographer presses the shutter button right so that's your first yeah. curtain but it's yeah. the timing of, of the follow <laughs> Uh, of the yes. second curtain to make sure that the slit is is exactly the right size yeah. to give you the exposure you're after. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So if that because if that goes off, you can, crazy, you're going to get overexposed sections. It's mad. So we it's the coding that he's got. We're building in um, light sensors, well IR sensors, so they actually sense where the blade is, so it can self calibrate as it goes. So it doesn't just rely on the because it's a, a a tooth belt and a stepper, which you know you could go okay we'll go 50 steps and the next one goes 50 steps but having the the light sensor it knows exactly where the blades are so it can go okay well that one's slightly off i'll move that forward a bit um and then I've, we've come up with some crazy ideas of things like like an nd filter Do you know like if you put a filter on the front you you say we can essentially slow the shutter down halfway across the frame so you, you could overexpose like one half of your frame but essentially work like an ND filter because it's completely independent blades. We can do what we like with them in as far as how quickly or slowly they travel. So, so, so just to make sure I've understood that. So what you're saying <laughs> is you could create it so that you, you um, not, I guess, a, a full image ND filter, but uh, an ND grad with a hard stop. Yeah. yeah so you could actually, ex yeah. you could in one pass, you could expose your la your land different to mm -hmm. exposing your sky and get yeah. the same effect as having an ND grad, a hard ND grad. Yeah. Jeez. So <laughs> if anybody's mad. ever wondered why it takes Steve quite a while to get things to market, I think we're getting quite yeah. a good idea yeah. of that here. Because um, uh, shutters have been one of these things. We've talked about this numerous times on the podcast. Shutters yeah, are one have, of the biggest yeah. bogeys. I mean, yeah. the advantage with shutters for large format cameras is that they can just be bigger and working bigger yeah. is easier. But of course... Yeah. The big problem with compared to other components is that they are exposed to fairly huge amounts of force relative to the size they are over yep. and over and over and over again, isn't it? I mean, and, and that's that yeah. is the thing is you need something that doesn't just go, oh, great, this works. Look, we've done this once. It's something that you can do that mm. hundreds and thousands of yeah. times. I mean, even it's with ten, a large ten, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times. You know, I mean, yeah. a, mo a modern digital camera, the shutters will be rated anywhere yeah. from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand. Yeah, you know, depending yeah. on whether they're you know, pro or consumer grade cameras, aren't they? So, 
Yeah, that's it. It's it's, uh, it's certainly a challenge. Yeah, I mean, and you're adding to make... that with an ND grad approach. <laughs> oh, mate, don't. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. But that's because I talked to Dave, and he's like, "Well, you know, anything can be done in code." I'm like, "Oh, well, in that case." And I start coming up with these like weird ideas, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah I could probably do that." And because it's mounted, this version is mounted on the front of the lens. We can tilt it as well. So mm-hmm. again, if we're talking like ND grad effect. You could tilt your filter if you like as well. So, like, you rotate an ND grad. So, you can tilt the whole it, shutter. It sounds amazing. Do you know what? I'm having horrible chills that up and down my spine. Uh, something caused by what I could only call pixelator scope creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I designed that as well, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, just sitting in month really after weird. month yeah. talking about, yeah, talking about scope creep is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I was there. Yeah, um, but yeah, these bits are starting to come luckily, together, aren't they? I mean, you know, you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just playing. I'm no, just no, no, no. But I mean, I no, know, it's true though. It's I think, definitely true. <laughs> I think the shutter. I think the shutter's still a ways off, isn't it? I mean, I think to to to, to get yeah. to the point where you want to where where the shutter is a part of the snapshot, you can just go yes. I mean, because of all the reasons that yeah, you said, that, you want people to be yeah. you, especially yeah. with the snapshot, which is a camera that's aimed more as an entry level into large format. You, yeah. You, yeah. So that's not going to happen anytime soon, but it is going to no. happen. I mean, I think ultimately it is going to mm. happen. Um, and then you go, okay, well, if only you knew somebody who made lenses. Oh wait. You do, your friend Jason Lane, who oh. you you know do the pictoriographica mm. stuff with. He he makes lenses. So you're saying, well, hang on, you build a body, and the shutter, and you know someone who can build a lens specifically for it. Suddenly you're you're getting to a point mm. where people aren't having to look for old equipment to make up a tool. It's like no, here's 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 everything you need new. Um, it's quite exciting. It does. Yeah. Sound, it does. Sound no, very it is. Exciting, it's... Actually. <laughs> it's very good. I'm I'm just showing you something, but it's I'm not telling you what it is. But um, yeah, it's it's he's a handy guy to know, Jason. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> I know what that is. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. So um, let's not talk about it and give away trade secrets on, on the um, internet. Yeah, no, Jason's great. As, as I say, I've, I've known Jason for a couple of years now. After um, kind of put us together, um, Jason was making dry plates. Uh, coating dry plates uh, himself for about 12 months before I met him, maybe 18 months. Um, so we worked on that's and the dry plate holder, and then we did the chromographica dry plate holder. But yeah, no, Jason's a lens designer by trade, uh, and he's amazing. And him and Max, who he works with now, are uh, sort of working towards doing more lens, lens sort of work uh, for others as well. So uh, that's something that's quite exciting, really, of what, what Jason can do. Mm. Uh, and Jason's another one, to be fair. He's a little bit... Dave's good with the shutter because he reins me in. Because <laughs> Dave works in kind of... In, in in big, sensible job design of engineering and, and has plans and project plans and scope and things like that. And I don't. So <laughs> I'll come up with these ideas and do all this. And Dave's like, yeah, let's just get it working first. And mm. then we'll, we'll come back to that. It's like, okay. Whereas Jason... Jason just encourages me. Jason goes, yeah, yeah, we can design that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Do you, do you not sometimes lean back, though? Because you, know, you didn't always used to be a camera manufacturer, though, did no. you? So so do you not lean no. back into your times? Are you, were you a software engineer or worked in the IT industry? Uh, I was hardware, yeah. I used hardware, to okay. Service support, yeah. 
So, because uh, uh, yeah, do you not do you not remember anything from those days then about like having plans and sticking to deadlines and budgets <laughs> no. and stuff like that? No, no, I okay, don't think just... we did. To be fair, I'm not sure we ever did have a plan at Unilever. It was uh, we kind of winged it a lot. <laughs> you're you're still in like I I've I've left that world behind mode. Right? Still in the oh, honeymoon yeah. period, are you? Like, how many years yeah. now is it? <laughs> I left in uh, 2019. I, I don't yeah. miss IT. Put it that way. I, uh, well, I sort of do sometimes. I miss the payslip. I miss the <laughs> no one getting paid at the end of the month thing. I bet, but, yes. uh, been there, been been there in the past actually with my own startup yeah. businesses and stuff like that. So yes, I, yeah. I, I feel your pain on that one. Did you yeah, want to challenge? Steve, but yeah, did you want to talk about the thing that you just flashed up on the screen in front of us, <laughs> or not yet? Um, well, it, it it's an ongoing project at the moment. It's, a, it's another one. That as I say, Jason is a bad influence on me because I'll I'll have these ideas of, oh, you know, if only someone would make a new wide angle medium format lens that was, you know, affordable and available. Because I love wide angle lenses. Um and he's like, Yeah, yeah, it's quite easy to design that. I've probably got one here, and he just he'll just whip one out of a fold and go, Yeah, there it is. It's like, what? And he's got all these like lenses lined up. And then he shows me all the MTF graphs, so I've got no idea what they mean. And he'll go, Oh yeah, it does this, and look at that. And it's like I don't know what you mean, mate, but amazing. <laughs> so but, uh, he's great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So he's a, he's he's a bit of a, a bad influence on me, Jason. That he makes things sound very easy. Um, so yeah. So me and Jason and Max, who worked with him, and Adam Scott, who is double film. Uh, so ex Lomo Adam, I've been. So I've known Adam for a couple of years as well. So we're sort of working on early stages or something at the moment as well as a kind of more in, in maybe Adam's field is sort of consumer camera field. Um, so we're, we're again, early doors at the moment, but it, it does involve a, a, a new lens and a, a camera. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be able to say more on that soon. Hopefully <laughs> it looks cool. It's, it looks um, like it's going to be yeah. a fun thing. Yeah, I hope so. It's um, yeah. I say Jason when he designed the lens, he, he, it's funny having him and Adam because Adam's very much of the you know, oh, it's he's Eclomo. It's very creative. It's very you know, don't worry about a bit of vignetting and feel like that. <laughs> Jason's like, no, <laughs> no vignettes, no aberrations. It's got to be perfect. <laughs> so I was like, you two are never getting on a call together because it just won't work. <laughs> so it's <laughs> so I'm in the middle going, okay, whatever. I'll just. I'll just build a bit in the middle. So, um, so yeah. So that's that's something that's that's, that's quite exciting as well. It's um, yeah. I, I take a lot of feedback from people who use my cameras, and there's a whole range of people that use my cameras. It's not, you know, when I just had the large format stuff, it was a, quite a specific field, a type of person who go who, the large format photographers. They're very, you know, controlled. Like to try something new, and then uh, having release things like the cube and the 679 and now the 69612 it's a, it's another group of photographers then so i love it because i get loads of feedback off different people who sort of say all want different things but they all see different things in photography so i don't know everything so i, I love getting people coming back to me and giving me feedback and good and bad you know and you know ideas suggestions and i'll always sort of look at something that someone suggests and that's where where these other things are coming from. It's good, Steve. It's good. Um, for people who I, I hope at this point are kind of tempted to go and investigate 
what's going on. So, the cube. Uh, well, with all of them, if people want to buy a camera from you, because historically, the one criticism, the only criticism that's mm -hmm. ever leveled at Steve Lloyd is that sometimes things can take a while. <laughs> to, mm -hmm. um, uh, where are we at with stuff like that? Now, if people want to order something from you, what are the lead times like for things from sort of the cube upwards, really? Okay, the cubes are—I say to you about two, about two to four weeks at most. Generally, with with the cubes, Simon Forster prints all of the cubes for me, so he does sort of bulk volume prints. So he generally supplies them to me in batches of fifty cameras. So we, we've we've built and shipped one hundred and. 58 cubes since the middle of November. Uh, we being myself and Dave. So obviously, the issue with lead times is until Chroma Dave came along, Chroma Steve was it. You know, it was I was Chroma. You know, um, and when I first started, I had a day job as well. So um, the intention it grew bigger than I expected initially, and then it, it became my day job when I got made redundant from the IT job. So it kind of had to then pay my bills and grow and, and it just it just took time to build all on my own which is where Dave came in so we're, we're streamlining all the builds as we go the cameras themselves are simplified build not simplified the the assembly and construction of them is is faster so yeah cubes let's say sort of two to four weeks usually closer to, to two um six seven nines say four to six weeks snapshots six weeks i'd say because mainly my my delays normally are the time it takes to print the parts and getting all the parts in so things like the carbon adventures take longer because i have the carbon fiber machine by a manufacturer in china the carbon parts the rest of the parts are done in in the uk um and shipping delays over the last well, six months have got much worse so it can take you know four to five weeks sometimes to ship items in um so yeah, the, the the adventures take the longest. They're sort of we say twelve to fourteen weeks on them because of the lead times on materials and things like that. These six nine and six twelve, um, saying to people about four weeks on these. Um, again, they're a faster. Um, if you like, there's less moving parts in them. They are, as you said earlier, they're they're kind of the designs around a similar design as the cube body. So the cube is essentially in two halves and a back door. Um, it's a nice, simple model to build, to put together. The 6.9 and 6.12 works on a similar principle, just bigger parts and the, the full removable rear body. So they just take longer to print. Um, yeah, the, the printed part of one camera takes about 14 hours to print. Um, and then all the other laser cut, vinyl, acrylic, winding up, things like that. So, yeah, say about four weeks on those, though. So we're, I'm trying to bring them down. You know, it, it's a real catch-22 with... Um, you know, bringing Dave on was was great. It, you know, I, I can't build the cameras without him there as well. But you know, it's cast twenty two. I've got to bring work in to employ somebody, and I can't employ someone to bring work in. So um, we're, we're we're trying to speed it up. We are we are getting them out as fast as we can, basically. I mean, are you at a point where you know, if if everybody just bought your cameras, mm -hmm. if everybody just started buying all of these cameras all the time, which is what they clearly should be doing. Mm -hmm. Could you start, especially with, I suppose, stuff like the 612, the 69 and the cube, look mm -hmm. into injection molding if the volume's got high enough? 
Yeah, um, I, I could do. I think I already inject. We already injection mold the Chromographica dry play holders. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest barrier with injection mold, and it is the molds, is the costs, um, and it's making that work um, for a product. So, you know, just for the the plate holders, the four, five, five, seven, and eight, ten holders, we've got nine molds, and they cost us twenty eight grand just to have the molds made. And you're thinking. You know, that's why we had to. We did a, a Kickstarter for that because we couldn't have funded it, and we didn't even fund it for that. We had to put more money in. You know, we we made that back finally. Um, but injection molding is so expensive up front. Um, it also limits. You know, joking aside, when I look at the design and make improvements, I can't do that with injection molded yeah. parts, um, which is fine for the holders because they they're not going to change. That's that the plates are that size, they fit and they work. My cameras, I don't, the cubes possibly, the cube is something that I could potentially look at if it, if the volume came to the point where it, it made sense. There's a, there's a kind of cut off point with printed parts. Uh, eventually it doesn't make financial sense to print. So if I was gonna, if I, if I got an order in for 500 cubes tomorrow, be made up, but, it probably wouldn't make sense to print 500 cubes. That's where you'd be looking at injection mold. Yeah. And there are companies that do smaller scale injection mold and they even print molds now. So they're much shorter run. So whereas our metal molds for the chromographers, we could do 10,000 molds off them. A printed one might do a thousand before it wears out, but you can just print another one. It might be 500. If not, I've not looked in hard, but it's smaller numbers. But I've noticed there are more companies offering that now. And I think it's because of companies like mine that maybe want smaller volume molded parts that are put off by the cost of injection molding. So it's definitely something, it's definitely something I'm always looking at sort of materials and manufacturing methods just to streamline the builds yeah. like you say to bring down these lead times so it's something that might happen um i just maybe, need to see the maths on it to make sure it works yeah maybe if in the future you had i don't know just like a a cheap entry level camera with a lens that you wanted to sell in huge maybe market. maybe something like that <laughs> who would know who who would know um but you know <laughs> these thoughts are always out there aren't they um i think that's really awesome i mean aid and i were you know we were both lucky enough to get hands on with the new cameras and I think we both had the same takeaway from it. I think you put it very eloquently, Aid. It just it feels like a proper camera and it actually has benefits that some of the more expensive cameras don't have. Because it's because it is a simple camera, you know, it doesn't have lots of eternal mechanics going on. It's lightweight. Mm. For for what it's doing, yeah. it's lightweight, much lighter. I mean I've never held a, a um an X Pan, um, but I've held yeah, six seven yeah, they're, they're big, heavy cameras. This is a light camera that you can quite happily carry around all day and, and use all day, and um, yeah. it's just a pleasant experience. When people mm -hmm. buy these, if, if people are, go onto your website now and order a um, 612 or a 69, what's, what are they getting when they order it? What are, you know, what's the basic order placing mm -hmm. system there? Uh, well, basically, when they order the camera, they'll choose what lens they wanted to mount on that camera. So that determines which lens cone it comes with. So every camera comes with one lens cone. Now, if they choose the Mamiya Press, it will come with a Mamiya Press lens cone. Uh, if they choose one of the traditional large format lenses, it will come with a cone with a helicoid and a lens board that matches. Um, and then I also offer 
separate lens cones as well. So if people want to mount multiple lenses to their camera, they can buy a, a secondary or third or fourth lens cone for using different lenses on the same body. So the body itself stays the same. You will buy one 6.9 camera, say, or one 6.12 camera, and that will come with a cone. So if you've got a, a Schneider 90mm lens, you will buy the cone for that Schneider. Then when you receive your camera, all you would do is you'd unscrew the lens board off the helicoid, fit your lens to it like you would do on a large format camera. So it's just a, just a locking ring on the back, screws through the lens board, screw it back onto the helicoid and you're ready to go. That's all you need to do. There's nothing else. The camera is ready to use. Um, it comes with the gates for the frame size, sort of 6669. Um, and that's it. You load your film and off you go. Um, I'm, I'm working on matching um, just simple frame finders. So they're not a viewfinder. There's no glass in them. But one thing a lot of people ask is, you know, well, how do I compose on it? Because there's no ground glass. Um, now, obviously, the Mamiya lenses, you can get the Mamiya viewfinder. The, the 612 you used have my Mamiya glass viewfinder on it that matches the 65mm lens. Um, but uh, I am working on just very simple printed frame guides as a composition guide. You focus using distance marks on the helicoid as you would do with uh, 679 or the snapshot. Um, but having the frame finder just lets you compose with your shot, really. It's a bit like a range finder. You're not looking through the lens on that either. It's just a, uh, a framing guide. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to be able to include that as well. I've just got to test out the, the size. I've just got to get the size right, really, to match the, the lens field. If you're close enough, I think um, I've, I've printed one up from a 75mm lens and it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's about 80, 85% at the moment that matching the frame view slightly cut off at the side. So it just needs a little bit of tweaking. But I think once I've got those set up, I'll, I'll include those with the camera then with the, the lens cone. So it, it means you've got something to view. Because obviously, if you're using a snapshot or the 679, there are ground glass backs for them. So you can put on a tripod if you want to focus on a ground glass and you've got your, your view through the lens. You don't have that on the 69 or 612. So having the viewfinder will, will do that. Um, but there's off-the-shelf viewfinders as well. You know, you can you can use. Um, I've I've used um, little 28 mil little plastic viewfinders. They're off compact cameras. You're available on eBay and things. And I've used that with the 90 mil lens. That's the equivalent field of view. Close enough, you know, to give you a, a composition. It's it's not a one-to-one -one viewfinder, but it's it certainly gets you in the area. Um, so yeah, so I'll be looking to include those as well once I've, I'm happy with the with the layout, and I can send them out to people if they um, if they want any additional ones. That's fine. Um, come back to what you said before about supporting people. I say I'll always do my best to support cameras. I've never I've never wanted to just ship a camera and go right off you go. You're on your own now. I wouldn't I wouldn't be happy with that. Um, I've got a carbon coming back to me for a bit of a. A bit of a tune-up, as the the owner said. He emailed me the other day, asked if it was possible. He's had it for about two years now, and he he shoots wet plate with. It. He was shooting the BLM process with. It. Actually, I remember he showed pictures. He was on it. He had it on the like the top of the doorway of the town hall in New York. 
randomly he had his car his carbon up on on there like photographing the, the process but he said they like you did great and he got in touch and like oh yeah can i can i send it back do a bit of a tune up and stuff so that that's coming back to me sort of thing so i don't mind i'm quite happy doing that i'd rather keep people were still using the cameras and were happy happy and comfortable using them really so we'll carry on with that that's awesome well, I think it is, yeah, and and that, you know, as I said myself earlier on, that, that makes all the difference. You know, you've got stuff that's designed, stuff that's designed purposefully. You've got it, you know, it's made to a high quality standard, and you get all the support. I mean, what what more could you want, really? I, it's uh, <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're probably um, probably about time to wrap up. Is it, Graham? Very nearly. There's just um, a couple of things I want to mention before we get out of here. Um, the first one is things we just had. A ton of fun on our photo walk i wanted to give a shout out to another photo walk that is coming up very soon um this is happening on the saturday the 12th of march and this is a she hearts film photo walk in liverpool um emma lloyd uh from analog wonderland has organized this so on saturday the 12th of march at 11 a.m um the photo walk is taking place go to photowalk.me for all the information this is a photo walk for um uh, women and people who identify as non-binary um, to go have a great time together, enjoy shooting film, and even better than just that, the talk will start with an inf- an in- sorry the talk the walk will start with an informal <laughs> talk from Michelle from Ilford, uh, talking us through some of Ilford's wonderful emotions. Emotions. Oh my God, my ability to read has died. Some wonderful emotions and some tips and tricks for black and white photography. So getting to see Michelle is always a good time. Um, so go to photowalk.me and check that out if you are in the area. There are still um, 17 places available at the moment, um, but that's over. That's nearly half of them gone already. So do get over there. I think that's going to be a great fun day. Um, and yes, getting to see Michelle and everybody else is going to be there um, will be really cool. And uh, everything, the stuff that Emma's doing with She Hearts Film is really awesome. So check it out. And um, yes, I, I hope anybody who can get to go to that has a good time the other thing is after our photo walk last week um dave walker who has been mentioned repeatedly uh, by you steve who was there on saturday um he wrote a lovely poem about the day um which i think everybody who read it has has probably had a quiet little cry um it's it's not very long it's a very sweet poem i will read it i will share it after the uh, music um because um you know we're three manly men and um we uh, we wouldn't get to it but um it was it was a really nice poem and uh it was a really nice day and it was a really good send off for john and um yeah i just want to thank everybody i know i thank the people who helped us with the organising and making it happen, but just thank you everybody who came. People came from a long way to be there, and the day couldn't have been better. I know quite a few people say it was um, a bittersweet day. You know, it's of course it is, but I think it was more sweet than bitter. And 
we all got to eat on the subject of sweet. And oh, oh, that's the person I didn't thank. Oh my god, guys, don't don't tell them. Uh oh, <laughs> um, late late breaking. Thank you. I also want to thank uh, my better half, Sinead, who kicked them, cooked a metric ton of cakes for us all to eat on the day. Um, so uh, don't tell her. I, I was going to say, but you know, oh, you guys both forgot as well, man. We're all going to. Fortunately, she never listens. But yeah, so Sinead cooked a load of really lovely cakes. Um, so that was also they very were good. Awesome. They, they were awesome i thoroughly enjoyed the carrot cake and then uh i took a bunch of scones home as well mm-hmm. so my whole family got to enjoy Sinead's baking which was, <laughs> yeah. which was awesome very it was tasty good. it was a great day and i look forward to more photo walks later in the year because it was just so nice to see everybody again yeah it was it was indeed okay well there we go then um so uh one last reminder um, I guess that uh, if, if anybody that's interested in, in all the cameras we've been talking about with Steve today, uh, the website is chroma.camera uh, and that's where you can uh, cast your eyes over all the goodies <laughs> and get excited about what's to come uh, and place your orders, of course, as well. Um, Steve, it's been great to see you, mate. Twice in one week, uh, you're doubly blessed. Um, and thank you for coming on the show <laughs> to talk to us today. Have you had a good time? Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I have. Thanks, guys. It's always good to speak to you, too. You know, even if Rachel can't be here, you know, just wait for her. But, you know. <laughs> Scout solidarity, that's what that is. Exactly. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I do appreciate all the support you give me. So it does mean a lot. Cool. Well, uh, well, there we go then, folks. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we have been the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, you can, uh, well, we will play you out. Sorry, skipping my bit lines now. We, we will play you out with Rachel's band Rocker. You can get their album Promises I Should Have Kept on all good internet downloading platforms and places and things. Um, yeah, it, it's been great. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sent to Coventry by Dave Walker We were all sent to Coventry, but it was the opposite of isolation. Old friends reconnecting, new friendships forged, joyous in many ways, but with a nagging feeling of loss. Your tools of art dispersed, your house full of life, and you missed it all. We finally all came to see you, but you weren't there. Typical John.